Oh, to love what is lovely and will not last. What a task to ask of anything or anyone. Yet it is ours, and not by the century or the year, but by the hours. That's an excerpt from a poem called Snow Geese by Mary Oliver. I'm Shannon Hayes, and you're listening to Episode 10, Season 2 of The Hearth of Setbush Hollow. Welcome to the Hearth of Sapbush Hollow, chronicles and lessons from a life tied to family, community, and the land. I'm Shannon Hayes, and I operate Sapbush Hollow Farm with three generations of my family in the northern Catskill Mountains of upstate New York. I'm the chef-owner of Sapbush Cafe, a farm-to-table and neighbor-to-neighbor experience, open Saturdays 9 to 2 in our tiny hamlet of West Fulton. And I'm also the author of a few books, including Radical Homemakers, The Grass-Fed Gourmet, and my newest title, Redefining Rich, which is due out from Ben Bella Books in August. And if you want to earn a summer-long discount to the online farm store and help me promote it, stay tuned till the end of this episode, where I'll tell you how. This podcast is the audio version of my blog, which can be found at sapbush.com or theradicalhomemaker.net. The survival of a livestock farm in a natural system relies heavily on her guardians, those animals chosen for their ability to be aggressive and incite fear. The rooster shuttles his hens into the coop at night and launches his talons at intruders. The geese guard the broilers and sound alarms when predators draw near. Llamas and alpacas will alert their flocks, kick, spit, and trample. Donkeys bite, use their hooves, and bray loudly. There's a knack to working peacefully among all these strategically ill-tempered beasts. I call it the tennis racket method. I learned it as a kid when going over to the neighbor's big red barn to do their chores when they were away. They had a flock of geese that would come charging at us, necks lowered to the ground, wings spread wide, ready to flail my brother Sean and me, tongues hissing. Sean and I would take turns distracting them, madly throwing fistfuls of corn at them so that they'd be too busy eating to bother the other child who would fill the feed and water buckets. We would both return home with mouths tasting of adrenaline. Until one day, when I brought a tennis racket. I held it bravely before me, swung it a few times to demonstrate its might, and never once had to use it. 
the geese sensed a change in my behavior, backed down, and stopped menacing us. Years later, Dad discovered our first guardian llamas and alpacas responded similarly to the waving of a hat. He used it to defend himself from attack once, and they soon came to respect the power of a floppy sun hat. Soon thereafter, I learned that the hats and tennis rackets were no longer necessary. I merely needed to believe I held a hat or a tennis racket that I could slap back an aggressive beast with. I would look my attacker in the eye, show them my imaginary weapon, and we both came to an understanding. Without the fear, we could all proceed pleasantly. I taught my girls to do the same. These days, they wander amongst the guardians with confidence, able to sweet-talk the beasts and produce imaginary weapons at the blink of an eye should someone suddenly get fresh. It's important for them to do this work without fear. A farm is rife with dangers, but fear can ruin the richest part of the work, those lush, never-ending displays of fresh beauty that unfold every few days during the growing season. We've been lapping them up this spring. The first chorus of spring peepers, followed by the eerie laments of the toads, the startling splendor of apple blossoms and lilacs, the air simply laden with their perfume. The Baltimore Orioles flitting along their blooms, scarlet tanagers chirruping high up in the trees along the hedgerows, the glorious tropical warblers migrating through there with their songs and flashes of color. These delights, for Bob and me, surpass any pleasures a steady paycheck might provide. They make us willing to do the scut work and consider it a privilege. And on this glorious morning, we are high in the pastures doing just that. We're setting up the tenter site, pulling out the furniture, scrubbing the walls and floor, tightening the bolts on the furniture, reinstalling the stovepipe, addressing any rodent damage. It's a beautiful spot to be in, cloistered away in the top corner of the farm, overlooking the surrounding mountains and tiny valleys. The girls add to the pleasures of the day by offering to drive the mule up to meet us for a picnic lunch. Grammy and Pop-Pop get in on the idea and start planning a special meal to bring up. And while they do that, we putter about the tent, gazing at the hedgerows, listening to the birds, and watching the spring clouds fluff along the dazzling blue sky. I finish scrubbing the floor of the tent and step out to drink in the view when a black plume of smoke rises up from below. What the hell is that? Bob! The kids! They're due here any moment, and we're fearing the black smoke means there's been an accident. We race down through the pastures looking for them when my cell phone rings. It's Sersha. Mom, Victor's barn is on fire. The neighbor's barn. The big red barn. We come around the top of the last hill and we see the genesis of the smoke. Giant plumes of hungry flames licking out the top of the same red barn where I learned to wield the tennis racket and beat back my fears. We race down to the valley floor and I begin taking attendance. Dad has gone to make sure the neighbors are safe. Mom is standing in shock in front of the house. Ula is beside her. Sersha is in front of me. Dad returns and we stand there in the driveway, just hugging and trembling, watching a 200-year-old barn and the surrounding buildings vanish in a matter of minutes. Ash begins to rain down over Setbush Hollow, and I just keep counting over and over. Dad, Mom, Sersha, Ula, Bob, Corey has gone to Richmondville for the day. Then I wait a few minutes, and I do it again. Dad, Mom, Sersha, Ula, Bob, Corey has gone to Richmondville for the day. The fire trucks arrive, 
The road is closed down, and we are on an island at Sapbush. The barn is reduced to rubble, but the neighbor's farmhouse is spared and no livestock are harmed. We go inside, close up the windows to avoid the smoke, and take our picnic indoors. But not thirty minutes later, the food is away, and Dad and Sersha go back out to the animals. Ula and Grammy go back out to clean the porch. When the fire trucks are gone, Mom, Dad, and the kids go over to sit with the neighbors. Bob and I go back up to the tantra site to finish working, then take a back road detour around the closures to get down to the cafe to start cooking for the weekend. The day can't stop. We are given a short season in which much must be done, and as we drive around the long way through the mountains, I consider all the delicious pleasures we were taking from the day until that moment. Those apple blossoms alive with bees, the warblers, the lilacs, and then, in a single moment, a piece of our community's heritage was blown up in smoke and flames. My soul is divided. One half aches for the loss of that beautiful old barn. The other half wants to drink in the most luscious display of spring blossoms I've ever seen. I roll down the window, and I can smell the air even now, perfumed with the wild apple blossoms and the old lilacs that pop up along these dirt roads, relics of homesteads long gone. Like the big red barn, those houses and outbuildings no longer stand, claimed by fire and age long before they reached their second century. Only their stone foundations can be found now, often tucked somewhere near the lilacs and apple trees that survived them. Gazing at them, perhaps I should be sad. Perhaps I should be lamenting the loss of a way of life. And I recognize my own fear that my own farm could go next. That extinction is always a possibility. But I see in these surrounding hills a legacy of growth, death, and renewal. We drive past the road that leads to Nate and Jen's new homestead. She's gone down to Sapbush already to do the afternoon chores. They're learning all they can from us, making plans for their own farm business. I think of Kate and Joe, who left Sapbush and moved to the next county over last fall, starting up their first lambing season and their first batch of broilers. I think, then, of the tennis racket I used to wield when doing chores over at the Big Red Barn. The guard geese over there taught me that, when I carried the means to protect myself, even if the racket was only imaginary, my confidence kept the fears at bay, freeing me up to enjoy scritching the noses of the cattle, petting the cats, smelling the molasses in the feed. And I realize now that the tennis racket wasn't even so much a means of protection as much as it was simply a reminder to not be afraid. Things happen. Things are going to happen. And meanwhile, there are apple blossoms and lilacs and scarlet tanagers and singing toads. There are sweaty kids and picnics and hugs with your mom and dad out in a dusty driveway, even as the ashes come drifting down like rain around you.
Folks, don't forget that my newest book, Redefining Rich, Achieving True Wealth with Small Business, Side Hustles, and Smart Living, will be launching through Ben Bella Books this August. And as I mentioned at the beginning, there is a way that you can help me get the word out and earn a summer-long discount at our online farm store. We are looking to put together a launch team of volunteers who can help promote it. If you're interested in joining, details are at the top of the blog page at sapbush.com. But basically, you'll pre-order a copy of the book, fill out our launch team form, which is found at the top of the sapbush.com blog, promote the book through your social media channels, request the book at your local bookstore and library, and leave a review wherever the book was purchased. But wait, it gets better. As an expression of my thanks, here's what you will receive in return. A 15% discount code for anything in the online store at sapbushfarmstore.com, good through July 31st. A free digital chapter from the book in advance of the release date. Entry into a giveaway for a signed copy of the book and a throw blanket from my store. Official graphics for sharing on social media. And an invite to an exclusive virtual book club meeting so I can answer any questions you may have once you've received your copy. Book club sessions will be limited to 10 participants per session to ensure that everyone has a chance to talk. So we'll just keep adding on additional sessions until every launch team member who wants one can get a session. So everyone's got a chance to have an intimate hang, bring coffee or cocktails depending on the time, and we'll have a lot of fun together. So please sign up. Just go to sapwish.com, click on the blog, and the details are at the top. In other news, Sapwish Cafe is now open for the season with outdoor dining and takeout every Saturday from 9 until 2. We've expanded our breakfast and brunch offerings, and we're even offering wine, beer, and some great cocktails, including Bob's Amazing Bloody Mary. Mm. If you wanted to come and stay with us this season, please make your reservations as soon as possible for either our Airbnb, you'll find it listed as Farm to Table Retreat on Panther Creek, or our tender site listed as Calico Ridge at Sapwish Hollow Farm. You can find links to both at sapwish.com. You can also go there to learn more about our grass-fed meats, weekly cafe specials, wool yarn, our all-natural wool bedding, and how to save on your grocery bills with our CSA meat shares. You can also find out more about my books and how to schedule me for a speaking event or class, or just pose a question you'd like me to answer on air. If you enjoy this, please take a few minutes to leave a review. This helps other folks find my work. And if you could share this podcast with friends and family, so much the better to help get the ideas to spread. This podcast happens with the support of my patrons on Patreon, and this week I'd like to send a shout-out to my patrons Ruth Tonical and Rosanna DiMaria. Thank you, folks. I couldn't do it without you. If you'd like to help support my work, you can do so for as little as $1 a month by hopping over to Patreon and looking up Shannon Hayes. In case you were wondering, this podcast was produced and edited by the sexiest man alive, my husband, Bob Hooper, and the great music we're listening to comes to us from Emery. And her name is spelled E-M-O-R-I-E for those of you who want to look her up. She's on all the major online venues. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Now the birds are singing about all the things they've seen over in countries sowing seeds and reaping dreams and I think that I am learning all